You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. If any of our Seminole family suffered home or business damage during Hurricane Sally, the Morgan Law Group can help you. Don't fight the insurance companies alone. The Morgan Law Group can help you file a claim and get the settlement you deserve. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor, Ira Chauffel, and senior writer, Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols and pies, starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. Two headliner questions. The Seminole Headlines begins right now, and it's sponsored by our friends at Birch Orthodontics. We thank our friends at Birch Orthodontics for their hard work, their professionalism, and uh, the help they've pro- provided my children, Iris children. If, if if Corey's son were in town, she'd help him too. Mm-hmm. She'll help you. It's uh look, it's it's kind of a bummer when you got to go get uh, braces, when you got to have dental work done. We all know nobody likes that, but if you have to do it. You want to go to the best in the business, and the best is surely Heather Birch and her staff at Birch Orthodontics. Yeah, and they'll make it uh, as pleasant as experience as possible. It's uh, it's never pleasant, like you said, but th- you're not going to find a place that does better in terms of customer service, customer care, and uh, orthodontic treatment. And as a no, we'll talk football to you. Probably really happy these days about what she's seeing on the field. I don't Maybe know. don't bring it up. Maybe don't bring it up when she's in your mouth doing on, stuff with metal. On your way out the door. On yeah, your way out right. As you're leaving. If you get if you listen to the show today and you're scheduled to be in there tomorrow or Thursday or Friday, save it till you're leaving and say, "Listen, I listened to some of the headlines this week. It was great. Can't wait for the game on Saturday, Heather. Good talking to you. Yeah, see what run she out said. The door. Yeah, <laughs> run out the- take off. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin writes, "Gentle germs, pun intended. Will FSU spy King? Should they? If so, which player is assigned this task?" If only the team was as good as you three, they'd win more games. Oh, Kevin, thank That's you, nice. buddy. It's also true. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do, I don't are they good that. enough to spy a spy – and plus he ran for nine yards last week, and they still scored 50. Yeah. So Amari it's not Gaynor, his running ability that's the key. But Gainer would be good enough to run with him, but then you take Gainer away and yeah. the pass rush, and yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to try to spy him per se. I what do about think the Kalen you, I, Brooks? He can run at least. I do think with a with a shorter quarterback, you you want to do everything you can to keep him in the pocket. And so they have to do a much better job of contain. Make him throw the football. Our defense, especially our back end, is not Louisville's sorry ass defense. Make him throw the ball. Uh, Bob writes third and two at the end of the game. Blackman throws a pass thirty five yards across the field to try to pick up two yards. Tough throw for most quarterbacks, let alone Blackman. Terrible play call slash. 
past selection. What play would you have called anything but that one? That was from Bob. Yeah. What was it, third and two? Yeah, I think that, yeah. yeah. I mean, it sounds about right. I mean, I do there, I do remember that. I don't remember that specific down and distance, but I remember there was a play where I thought that was kind of – but, you know, you just don't know if that's a situation where James is see something at the line and go into something. The problem is they couldn't run the football either. Um, you yeah, know, and they don't have a chance to run it. Fourth and, and three is what it becomes, by the way, Ira. It becomes fourth and three, right? And he's got a man wide open in the middle of the field when he screws it up. Yeah, and the the only time the only time they ran in that game that was productive really was the the wildcat. And I do think Corbin, man, he has a he has a role in that at least. Like he's he he was tough and he got he got the yardage he needed to get in short yardage. But I, I just think moving forward, uh, whoever is back there has to be able to be a running threat. Otherwise, it's going to be that's a, a quarterback. Otherwise, it's going to be really hard to to run the ball. Gentlemen. This is from Ryan. To me, Blackman's quarterback play reminds me of a poor man's Chris Ricks. Once one mistake happens, then an avalanche of self-implosion is soon to follow. How soon does he get pulled in this game? Also, is there any chance that Mike just happens to run into meeting Blackman in one-on-one setting this week? And we- oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, no, he's at home. Um, if anything, Norvell should be going to the other Come on, quarter, man. The, the Miami Good quarterback. Lord. Good. We are falling off the wagon, guys. Good w- Lord. Wishing a COVID on people. We want our coach to give our starting quarterback COVID if you read into Ryan's question. Yeah. My God. I do. Uh, he was sort of asked this on Monday, but not in kind of in a clunky way that I don't think he understood. The, it just wasn't asked well. But who does make that decision, you think? When if Blackman goes three three series and he just he, it looks like James Blackman, does is that Dillingham's call? Is it Thompson's call? Is it uh, Norvell on Facetime? I think he was offended. I mean, I think I think he was offended by the question because I think he felt like Man, you're making assumptions not, about yeah, yeah. We're not gonna you know, and, and the we're, we're we're gonna not because basically it was asked like, would you be not willing to make a change because you're not there? And he was like, no, man, we're going to do whatever we have to do to win the football game. If, if somebody's not performing or killing us, you know, we're going to make a change. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, look, if he's not there, he has to trust his offensive coordinator and his deputy head coach to discuss it and make a change. They're football coaches. I but mean, it's it, Dillingham. It, Thompson, what is Thompson going to say? No to Dillingham? No, no, no. I like what Black, I'm seeing out of Blackman. I know he's well, in charge. They're going to have a conversation. The offense. They would have a conversation. He would have to explain yeah. to him why. Yeah. Also, they're going to have a conversation before the game. Yeah. yeah. The, the they're, they're, in place. Right. Yeah. It, you know, I think Norvell is going to make it abundantly clear as to the situations when you can and cannot pull his starting quarterback. I don't think you yeah. can go all half cocked and just decide, huh? Here's my chance. Sit your ass, James. You're starting, Chubba. You know, like, I don't think that's going to work. Yeah. You know, I think they have a plan in place. Jamie writes, for years, the FSU versus Miami game and every other big game was called by Keith Jackson on ABC. I can still hear Keith's voice and knew it was going to be something special. In your opinion, who is the next great voice of college football? Or, with so many games on television, uh, now have the days of someone like Keith Jackson gone by the wayside. Thanks and keep up the great work. Yeah, I do think it's kind of gone by the wayside. I don't. I, I think that... First of all, every game is on television now. Any game can be accessed. Uh, and you do seem to have myriad of folks that uh, to do that role. Nobody's iconic like he was. Well, but Chris Fowler. 
Yeah, I think we all agree. We all agree. Probably Fowler. Fowler's the next Jackson. I I knew you were going to go there so that we all. You know, I'll be honest, though. uh, I really like Brad Nessler. He does a great job. He's been doing it forever. He's been around since I was a kid here in Atlanta. He's from, I think he lives in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, man, I like him a lot. He's he's good. He's 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 pretty reserved, but he gets excited at the right moments. And he's been doing it forever. I don't even know. I assume he still calls games, right? Well, he's SEC, isn't he? Oh, okay. Then don't watch him. Screw yeah. that. <laughs> I wonder. Like, I do wonder what Keith Jackson talked like just in his normal conversation. Because, like, I remember when I was in college and Tim Brando came and did a game. And I was watching him prepare to do a live shot or a recorded shot, but he was talking to his crew before he did the shot and he had one voice. And then once the camera went on, he became Tim Brando, you know, it just, it was funny to say, and I wonder how much of that is built for like Deckerhoff is Deckerhoff 24 seven, but I wonder about some of those other guys. Yeah. Brando came into my studio at the old place of employment and sat down and I asked him to do 10 minutes with me since he was in the building. He had to utilize one of the other studios for his radio show at the time. And I said, Hey Tim, when you get done with that, if you'd be so kind, I host an afternoon show. Can you come on down, sit in and I'd love to have you on and talk college football. And he said, sure. And I found something out about him that I did not know, but subsequently was told several times over by other folks. When he flips the switch, Ira, you don't have to work. It's 45 straight minutes of Tim Brando listening <laughs> to Tim Brando talk. I offered up like one question, and Brando gave me the history of college football as it pertains to LSU, first and foremost, and then secondly, how he sees the world. It was you get, unreal. It was you, get unreal. The, you get the impression Tim Brando likes some Tim Brando. No, he loves Tim Brando. That's okay. his favorite person. Tim Brando's a big fan of Tim Brando. And he'll you know who loves – you know an announcer who loves themselves, and I always make fun of this dude, is Jim Nance. Yeah. You realize that I remember the divorce proceeding. Somehow oh, it came out. Painting above the fireplace. Uh, yeah, a painting of himself, no, like over the, the over the staircase when you yeah. walk into his house. Yeah. And also remember, he gives when Villanova won the national championship that year on the buzzer beater. The yeah. kid at the podium was wearing a tie, uh, like a, a a suit tie, and they're yeah. like, "Hey, Archie, who? What's the tie about?" He goes, "Oh, Jim Nance gave me this after the game." He said after every every tournament, he gives his tie to the kid that he thinks deserves it the most. Yeah, I know. Are you kidding me, Jim Nance? <laughs> I wish he would have. I wish that kid would have ripped it in half and said, "Who are you, loser?" and threw it on the ground. <laughs> Holy moly! So self-important. Nicholas writes, Seymour, as someone who did not play football. Just how impactful was missing the spring for a new staff and this team? I, for one, am not terribly surprised we look like last year's squad with a few tweaks. Please, if you could just expand on the difficulty in teaching remotely a physical game, and thanks for all you do. Well, Nicholas, I I did play quite a bit of football, and I can tell you I can't imagine what that was like because it's hard enough to implement and to teach the game of football uh, in the way that you need to play it at real speed. Uh, when you're going through walkthroughs, let alone having to do it remotely on a, on a Zoom call or a Skype, it, it's almost impossible because you can't replicate the speed of the game, the physicality of the game. And also, if you're repping something repeatedly in spring, that is so that you do not have to think come fall. You're able to just, you line up, you know the base of your defense, you know the base of your offense. And from that point forward, now it's a matter of repping at full speed so that it's just, and Nate, you're not thinking, you're playing the game uh, and responding. And then, of course, the physical aspect, it it's obviously it goes without saying, football is a very physical game. You have to rep it in that way. 
I do think it was devastating, especially for new coaching staffs that didn't have established protocol. You know, don't forget, they also didn't get to do the seven-on-seven stuff that you would normally do over the summer, which helps develop timing, especially on offense. So I think that doesn't really hurt a defense, but it really hurts an offense. And I think that they were screwed from day one to a much greater degree than a lot of people realize. It's it's. It's really sad, frankly, uh, and and we have to be mindful of that as we watch them go from week to week. It's why when we were talking last hour, guys, I was so excited about the possibility that as ugly as they looked in week one, that we will see signs of real growth. And I don't know that it's going to all come out against Miami per se, but I certainly think by the time you get to the Louisville game, you're looking at a much very different, uh, a very different product, I should say. I think pr- part of it, too, in the spring, what you miss is you don't get to learn what, about your players. What you have to learn on the fly about your players. The spring is different. Like, in August, yeah, they're going to practice as hard as possible because the game's coming up. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Spring is spring. It's just practice. There's nothing to look forward to except a, a spring game. I think you learn a lot about the players, especially if you're a first-year coaching staff, a lot about your players in that month or six weeks of, of spring practice. And they just didn't get, they didn't get a chance to. They didn't get a chance to see those kids work, uh, to see who they could count on, who they couldn't, who was getting better, who wasn't. So they're, they're all – it's you know, there's not excuses. You know, Georgia Tech didn't get it either, but Georgia Tech already had a year of development. Right. That's what I mean. If you're an experienced staff, you've already put into place the changes yeah. that you want to make. You know, Florida State didn't get to How do How about that defense, you know, by the way? Florida Tech's defense looked good on Saturday, I thought. The only thing the only thing I would say, though, real quick about Florida State, though, is I get it. I agree. I, and I think it's a big part of why they looked like they looked. But it doesn't excuse drop passes. It doesn't excuse not competing uh, in zone coverage, letting guys just – Occupy space in, in on your in your defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So those, so there, it's a little bit of both. And I was real curious to see how other first year coaches handled this because every first year coach, I think, is at this disadvantage because they don't have a system in place. And you know, you have a USF that just gets blown the hell out, which I think is a, is a maybe argues that point. But then you have Boston College that looked pretty good. Uh, both sides uh, of the ball, and that's a yeah, first-year coaching staff. Yeah, Fairley did a good job. The only thing I'd say about that is I think there were two critical moments early in that game that dictated how that went for Boston College. Duke's right. Duke College, Duke. You watched Boston College and Duke? Oh, I had some money on it, and Duke screwed me. The dead fish is a loser again. What I would tell you is this. Duke is driving to take the lead. They've kind of gotten control of the game uh, after the first quarter, and two separate times they turn the ball over inside the 10. Uh, a fumble on the four-yard line will hurt your feelings a little bit. Especially um, if you got money on it. Yeah, well, yeah. I think they were about they were about to go ahead and pull away, and then and then that happened, and their kids didn't respond respond real well, and, and Boston College did to their credit. Seminole headlines on 979 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole headlines presented by Capital City Bank returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. More headliner questions. Matt writes, gentlemen, if there's one thing this team should be ready for, it's playing with nine coaches. Piece of cake. Yep. <laughs> sure, Seriously, though, I think we should commend Coach Norvell for his bold plan of faking a test result in hopes of getting this puppy postponed and finding a nice convenient date later in the year so we can roll out old Chubba against those bums. I see you working, Coach. 3D chess for that ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad play. When I found out on Saturday, I'm like, well, man, aren't they going to have to quarantine the people that were in contact with them? And isn't that the whole coaching staff? And, hey, it's another off week. 
and and then you got Chuba for you you get maybe you just cancel the game and don't play either one of your rivals this year, or you move it later in the year when you're more prepared to play them. So that whole thing about the the contact and the close contact. So they define it as 15 minutes within six feet of somebody for 15 minutes. Well, like, couldn't you just like meet for 10 minutes and then break for a minute and then come back and meet again? And then that way, none of your guys have to fall victim to the, is it added up 15 minutes? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. I but, feel like it's an added up 15 minutes. Not you. So well, you're you, saying like meet for 1330, go <laughs> take a break for three minutes, come back, meet for another third. I don't know well, if you can game the system, like how, or game the virus like that. But how are you, uh, but how are you going to, how are you going to count up the different times throughout a practice? I mean, like, like say Jeff and I go up against each other for three minutes in one drill and then we're apart for 20 minutes and then come back for seven minutes. Is that okay? Is that 10? Or is that? I think so. I don't think it re. I don't think the clock not, resets. Who's but who's who's tracking every one-on-one situation over 120 players every time they get together over the course of a practice? I'm guessing nobody. Well, yeah. feels a little willy-nilly, doesn't it, Ira? <laughs> I'm guessing uh, nobody. Steve, Steve writes, gentlemen, thanks for the great insights and laughs. My son, an FSU freshman, suddenly has become a fan of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, good man. Uh, under some questioning, I suspect it's about it's about girl. The question is, have you ever feigned fandom? Oh, it's about a girl. Okay. The question is, have you ever feigned fandom for a team to increase your chances to be with a woman? Wow. I feel like I have. I just can't really remember. I have not. I have not. No. It's uh, an I easy can't... play to make, though. If you're like a good – if you're a if you're a hardcore sports fan like the three of us and we're like 19 and there's a there's a girl in your class that's wearing, I don't know, say a – uh, um, Orioles, a Orioles. Texas Rangers. No, no, because you would know that. I was going to say like a Texas Rangers jersey. Right. We all three know enough that we could feign about at yeah. least when we were nineteen. We could yeah. feign like, oh, I'm a Rangers fan too. Oh man, I can't believe they traded Mike Miner or whatever you want to say, and that can get you in the door. That's a that's not a bad play if you're a big time sports fan because you you can assimilate. You're like a, I, one of those you know lizards. Enough about every team, you're right? A chameleon. Sure. Yeah, you can act like you're a big fan of any of those teams. I definitely did it for music, dude. I went to some bad concerts in high school. White Snake. Oh, yeah. I oh. went to. Oh man, I, I went apologize to some- for that. I got number one on this. I got two ones. Hey, listen, I, I dated a beautiful girl at FSU who loved Reba freaking McIntyre, <laughs> and I took her to the. To the you're, Civic Center to see freaking Reba. And by the way, not only did I see Reba, and it was as bad as you think it would be, we were in the second row, and that ascended <laughs> to the ceiling with angel wings while she sang. That actually happened. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It, it, were it you just, cheering? Were you acting like, like you were fired no, up no, about it? I did it? not cheer. I did not go, whoa! <laughs> Raise her up! Rise up, angel! Rise up, my angel! <laughs> no, no, but it happened. And then she has this song that's like the Dolly Parton song where they yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever it is where you yeah. got to jump out of the car and go away with a rich guy because we're a poor in country. So that's like that, that. Like when that song came on, all the people were like, yeah, I was like, what in the hell? This is the worst thing ever. Do you, um, do you, do you still have yeah. the boots? Do you still have the boots? No, no, no. But but I dated her for many, for a long time and she was yeah, it was worth it. But. That was a tough night having to go to Spiva. <laughs> and then in, a, in addition, <laughs> uh, I have feigned, not fandom, but I tolerated. I dated a girl who was also, 
I thought extraordinarily good looking and, and I was willing to acquiesce to certain things that I would never do now. Uh, she was a huge St. Louis Cardinals fan and I hate the Cardinals, hate them. And she never missed a game. A real fan. Got to give her credit. A real fan. Like when, when the MLB thing became where you could go to bars and watch any game every night, you're going to meet me so-and-so to watch the Cardinals tonight. And I would do it. I'd go watch the hey. Cardinals every you know, night. You don't have to excuse it. You don't have to explain it to us. <laughs> we understand. Uh, here we go. Brian writes, hello to the bold and the beautiful. Well, at least fairly good looking. I was at the game against Georgia Tech, and the beer in the stands is a great addition for what I was watching. I had to rewatch again last week as the last half was a little bit crazy. Thought the offensive line played decent until the injuries hit. How could a freshman quarterback behind a line that was worse than ours last year outplay our team? He had all the disadvantages of 2020, as we did, and it was his first start. Will Norvell finally see what we all see, that James Blackman is not good enough? Start the Rotomaker. You all keep worrying about that he might get damaged like Blackman, but I didn't see Boise's quarterback or Georgia, Georgia Tech's quarterback hurting. Uh, yeah, no, you know, fine. I start Rotomaker. I got a problem with that because I think Chubb is the quarterback of the future. So if you want to roll Tate out there, that's fine. Come on, man. Hey, the, here's the problem. You want you want one quarterback to get COVID intentionally, and you want the other quarterback to get destroyed by, by Miami. This is our listeners. This is All our right. listeners. Yeah, don't yeah, put that the, on. The, don't put that on Jeff. Don't the put that on Jeff. The difference with Tate Rodemaker, and this isn't a knock on him, it's just he's not built like those kids. Like Jeff Sims could run. He could buy time. He could make plays with his feet. The kid from Boise State was pretty physically mature uh, and a big, strong kind of kid. I mean, I just don't know if Tate can. I don't know if Tate gives you much in this current situation. I think Jordan Travis, Travis J, whoever, somebody that can run and is a weapon in that way is what they need more than just another different quarterback. I agree. Stevens writes, I'm sure they'll find a way to put Norvell in a box at Dolphin Stadium, but I prefer to a live cam on Mike in his home, just helplessly watching along with the fan base, cursing the names of a certain quarterback and offensive lineman as they (laughs) – our fans are feeling it, guys. Man, that yeah, I know, right? Maybe we weren't uh, realistic enough. Um, they're worse than we are. Um, it would be great television, and it might not be great television on Saturday night, the game itself, to have a camera set up in Norbell's home to see his reactions in real time. With to what not even watching. audio. Not even audio. Just, yeah, just no, the- I don't want audio. Yeah, I want just a, a silent cam, how much he's drinking, if by the third quarter he's just not even watching anymore, you see him with the remote flipping back and forth to something else. Maybe there's another <laughs> game on he's watching. Oh, my God. <laughs> Preston writes, my favorite part of each Seminole headlines is when Corey makes a rash hyperbolic statement only to have to eat it away at, have it eat away at him and bring it back up three segments later when, when everybody else has forgotten about it. That being said, Corey <laughs> – can you distract us all from this ass sorry future joke of a football program by telling everybody the story of your ex-lover who's a dentist and fixed Bobby Brown's teeth after he got into a fight with little Richard? Thanks. Story time for that ass. That wasn't uh he wasn't an ex-lover. He was a fr- he's a friend. He's just a dentist that Did I tell that on this show? Yeah, no. yeah. No, real quick. So I have a buddy that that uh he's a dentist. Yeah, I told this story. And oh, Bob- in the past. Yeah, Bobby Brown came and visited. Um, this was probably 2005. So he comes and visit. He's got a dental emergency. I don't think he was in a fight. I think he had a performance maybe the next night. So it was in Atlanta. So he comes in. Uh, my buddy has to ask him his age. And he, he had to ask him his age for the medical medical reasons. Um, and Bobby Brown said 31. 
or something like that, 30. And, and my buddy was like, oh, really? So when I was dancing in my living room to my prerogative, you were 13 <laughs> years old? <laughs> you, I was older than you? He's like, I really need to know your age. And then he told him his real age. So And he obviously he had a whole gang with him when he walked into the dentist's office. But he said he was really cool and nice. Well, I but I guess you should be the dentist. That's the good kicker of the story there. And you're right. You should always be nice to your dentist. Seminole Headlines on 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Steve writes, this is by far my favorite podcast. Truthfully, not just a kissing up to get my question ready. I know you've tried to explain it, but I just can't see how Florida State University has a roster that couldn't beat a bunch of FCS schools. If the football program is the golden goose that the success of the whole university relies on, how in the world could the athletic department slash administration let it disintegrate so badly and waste $25 million in the process? Ira, fire away. Man, you make, you know, you make a bad hire, and that's kind of what happens. I mean, you can't – it's not a uh, – you know, it's not a situation where you can make a mistake. I think I think Florida State, uh, if you're going to criticize their administration, I think you certainly can for the handling of uh, when Jimbo Fisher left. I think they were very cavalier. I think they thought if you that not anybody could do this job, but they didn't take into account that just because you've had some success doesn't mean you're definitely what you want in a head coach. I don't think they did enough vetting of the background. I think they locked in on Willie Taggart pretty quickly. And a lot of people thought it was going to make sense, but you'd like to think that they would have done some more research to know more. But the problem is once you make that mistake, you can't get out of it cheaply. You kind of have to ride it a little while and then you have to pay the piper. But and it was, um, I think part of it too is bad, bad luck in the sense that that was the first year of the early signing period. I think if you have a, the, this normal signing period of February, you vet a little, like they did that in four days or five days or whatever it was. Like yeah, that's a crazy a amount point. of time to make a hire. Corey's uh, a because really they good point about the early signing period. Uh, there really hasn't been a group that handled that real well or came out of that real well. If they were in the process of making a coaching change right when that happened, that that has not gone well. But also, you have to. We can blame the administration all we want, but like a school like Florida State doesn't lose coaches to other schools. They're not, it's not supposed to anyway. Jimbo Fisher won a national championship here in 29 straight games. They don't, those guys don't leave for other jobs typically except an NFL job. You don't go to another school. No, I hear you except for the fact that for two years, you should have known he was, he was trying to leave. dancing with LSU. No, sure, ab- absolutely. To get out. He basically told you he hated you and yeah. that he was doing everything he could to leave. Look, we know myriad reasons that this got to where it was. And it is a confluence of events that are hard to understand. But some of it involves stuff that is totally out of Florida State's hands. You have basically a nervous breakdown off the field from your head coach. You have a devastating loss within the administration that allowed for the head coach, who was off his rocker at this point, to be able to somehow still connect to the boosters whom he hated. That person dies in Monk Bonasort. That was devastating. That was essentially the end of a relationship. They never had a strong athletic director. They haven't had one since Dave Hart. The booster situation was a mess. So you got a lot of situations that add all up to this cluster you-know-what. But we're getting it back on track, guys. Yeah. So, yeah, there's no short answer. And the problem is there's no quick fix. When you make a bet at this stage of college football, unless you can just throw all kinds of money at it and hope and keep keep hitting reset, which a lot of these SEC schools try to do, you know, you kind of sometimes you kind of have to, it's just going to take some time. 
Um, I like this next question. Zach writes, let's talk about something positive. What's your favorite FSU-Miami game? Not the best game, but your favorite game. Mine is 2008. My dad and I went down to Miami for the game. We sat through the monsoon that ensued and watched Christian Ponder and Anton Smith run all over Miami. The Miami Muff is a close second for me. Terrible game, but such a relief to finally win after having lost six in a row. Well, I know how old you are, Zach. Um, I, I, you know, it's oddly, I've said this before, that my favorite Miami game is a loss, and it's unfortunately the comeback uh, as led by Michael Irving. But uh, 1987, right, Corey? Um, yeah. That's me and my dad tailgating with some friends that uh, had been family friends for a long time. I hadn't seen in a while, came into town, and just really everything about that weekend and the level of talent on the field. You know, a lot of times when you're in the midst of a moment, when you go to a game, any game, or you go to a concert or you're spending time with somebody you love, you don't always take the time to really recognize as it's happening the importance of the event or the joy that you're deriving from it. Like it sounds like you didn't appreciate it all when Reba started floating towards I the did, ceiling. Right, right. I, I, it you still don't. If I look back on that with great regret <laughs> that I didn't take it all in and make a mental snapshot. Um, but I, in, walking into the stadium that day, the, the weather, the, the, the fans, the energy in the crowd, the, my dad, the, the friends of the, from the family, everything about it. I was, I was going through my closet not long ago. because I, we I don't want you – I'll be honest. I don't want you to finish this answer because there's no way the 1987 Miami game is your favorite Florida State-Miami game. It is like a gut punch, oh, the yeah. biggest gut punch, and it cost them a national championship. Why yeah. not one of the wide rights? No, no, no. Why not Batia's wide left with, no, with no, the no, jackal dancing around him on the field? It's exhilarating, and I wasn't the same age. And he didn't say best game. He said you're my favorite. It's, it has to do with memory, Corey. You should know this. I just and can't believe that's, that's your favorite Miami memory. No, it's my it's my favorite game, I think. I, I, I enjoyed that game. Well, listen, when we went out to Norman, Oklahoma, the, the game that you told me your dad left and went to a bar in the second yeah. half, I may have had as good a time in a road game there as I've ever had for any team that I root for ever, and we got stomped. Is that your all-time favorite Florida State football memory is the Oklahoma game in 2010? It is not. Okay. But it is a a fond memory, believe it or not. The answer uh, for me is probably the second wide right. Uh, Just being (laughs) down there, 92, it was really hot in the Orange Bowl. I'll probably you score that. on the you score a touchdown on the opening kickoff and then don't score another touchdown. Clyde Allen fumbles inside the ten. Somehow the fifth string tailback is in the game and fumbles on his only carry. Uh, Charlie Ward leads the comeback only to see the kick sail right again. I'll never get those moments back with my dad like I had that day. <laughs> so that's my favorite moment. Oddly though, somewhere in there and I can hear it. There is a fond memory. No, in fact, there is a fond memory. I'm not. Gonna, I've told it before too many times on this show. The, the, the driving road. home with the guy on the road. That was from the '92 game. So yeah, that was a fond one. I would Hi. say honestly, the, um, I yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a hard one because the the one the t- I probably the '89 game. Honestly, the night game with Dexter putting the flag on the kid's head, Bernard Clark's head. I, I love '93 as well because I, there was a sense. Yeah, of that was a great one too. is a big one for me. My favorite moment was uh, in the post game when uh, guys, they were throwing bottles at Preston Parker and he just started drinking their water. Oh, yeah, that was uh, right. on the field. That, that was, was the 08. That was 08 too. That was uh, that was classic. Exciting times, 08. <laughs> yeah, great memories. <laughs> Marlon writes, Seymour likely. Gentlemen, of course, he got COVID-19 because why wouldn't he? 
But for the really reason I'm writing, for the real reason I'm writing, being class of 2001, I understand the UF rivalry is the biggest one, but being a Miami Seminole, this is the week I look forward to all year long. Now, can we beat UM when it can mean something to them, like they're always beating us to kill our dreams? Can we destroy their dreams of making it to the ACC championship now that they have found an offensive guru and running quarterback? Can we come down here and crush their loser hearts? Can we run a ball down their throats? Wild Travis and Wild Jay, can we run all the trick plays in the arsenal? Um, and he gives a shout-out to Johnny Pack, which is really well done as well, Marlon. Uh, that Miami team is not going to win the ACC or even be involved in the discussion. Don't worry about it. Notre Dame and Clemson are the two teams to beat in the ACC, Marlon. Uh, but but that said, anyhow, uh, we can – I think it would be cool because they're so – uh, extremely confident, and I don't know that Miami fans should ever be until they prove it. Should ever be as confident as they seem to be this week. Um, like I don't know, I'd be pretty confident if I were them. I mean, but come on, man! You know, you go six and seven or seven and six every year. The shoe, all, the other shoe, always drops. So it's well, odd that they're so confident going into week three of this season. But so that I think that would be sweet for Florida State fans, knowing that it's not going to matter to some sort of championship you're hoisting at the end of the year. But to shatter their dreams and their confidence early would be probably feel sweet. Well, they get. I think they get a bye week, then they have to go to Clemson. So uh, their their reality oh, will right. change a little okay, bit. Reality might uh, set in. Yeah. yeah, you know, I was wondering this watching that game Saturday night. Like, have have. Herb Street and Fowler ever embraced Florida State at any point the way they have Miami two weeks into the season? Yeah, but I you mean, don't watch their game. You don't watch their broadcast. They might well, have I'm been asking, 13. do they? Do they? I, they man, I, I know in the Clemson game, Herb Street was all about Jameis at the Clemson game. They did in 2013, Ira. I still have the game. And when you go back and watch it, Herb Street at the end of that game says, this is the best team in the country. It's not close. They're by far and away the best team we've seen all year long. They're hungry, they're angry, and they're dominant. I just remember Fowler from 14, I guess, when well, he Fowler sounded – Fowler hates our ass. Fowler yeah. hates us through and through. There's no doubt about that. But Herb like, Street what's, us many times. But what's likable about Miami? I mean, they, they're holding up that – Agreed, that, sir. Agreed. It's just been, it's been so long. I mean, it's, it's literally been 20 years almost. It's been two decades. Longer. They've been carrying water for Miami. The networks have forever. My, yeah. I was on the show the I was on a show the other morning down in South Florida, and they were asking me about Florida State and how they got here and this and this and that. And as we were talking, uh, they brought up Miami and how lopsided this game should be. And I'm like, well, you know, it probably will be. I mean, good for Miami, who hasn't been relevant in 20 years. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Jesus, let's not talk. <laughs> I mean, it's been two decades. And, and, got, and then the guy was like, well, I, I guess that's true. I was like, yeah. They're all, they, and Miami always gives you the false hope or has lately that, okay, maybe this is the year they, they, they're back, quote unquote. They're never going to be back. We know that. But this is the year they're a legitimate top five championship contender. Like, like the year Texas was back because they beat Notre Dame in the opener and then they fired their coach later on in the year. They're just, they're always looking for reasons to say a school is back. And trust me, in a year or two from now, I, I honestly believe this. If Florida State starts off a season 4-0 and is playing a big game and is ahead in the fourth quarter, you're going to be hearing all that. You're going to be hearing all the trumpets again about how Florida State is back. I do think that's going to happen. You I just hope, hope they're not gone. They're not irrelevant for 18 years like Miami has been. Yes. Uh, yeah, let's hope. I think it's impossible to be that irrelevant for that long. But Miami proved it, and so did Nebraska. Seminole Headlines, yeah. I'm Seminole, and ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Wrapping it up. More headliner questions. Let's get to it. Let's put the quarterback situation in perspective, writes Corey. 
Would we be better off playing Dilly Dilly at quarterback? How about Norvell? Is there a member of the coaching staff who would be better off than James? Ouch. Uh, I don't think so. Dillingham's pretty – he's not tall enough to see over the line. He's not a 6'4 guy. Uh, that's not happening either. Norvell be, can't uh, – yeah, I don't, Norvell's got COVID, so he can't play. Could be a game manager. Michael yeah. writes, thank you, boys, for being an umbrella in this crap storm. So if Norvell <laughs> gets the Rona by nearly being near – by merely being near the student body, how has old whole part hole in Knoxville not come down with multiple bouts? He seems to be much closer to the student body. <laughs> come on now. We're not uh, that kind of show. Uh, Bob writes, greeting fellas. Looking forward to another excellent seminal headlines. What will you talk about today? Soccer's two wins, upcoming volleyball season, Johnny Pack at the U.S. Open, basketball recruiting. Just don't talk about the upcoming blowout, please. All right. Miles. Miles writes, ring, ring, ring is sadly what Miami is going to be doing to our no-no square on Saturday. I was screaming from the mountaintops that half our roster should contract. Oh, God, man, here we go. He was hoping everybody got COVID so we wouldn't play. Um, David <laughs> writes, gentlemen, thanks for bringing the very best podcast to the air. Great job as always. Is it just me or is this a lose-lose situation for Norvell? Noel's coming out on top, and all we hear is, look, Coach Thompson got it done and Norvell couldn't. Yeah, and we're going to hear how Norvell didn't have his staff ready to coach. Well, uh, yeah. Well, I think he'd be pretty fired up if his yeah. Miami. Uh, he still gets credit for that dub, I guess, right? Especially because he's going to be on Facetime. Yeah. Well, uh, they should find a way. Wouldn't it be cool if they're like all of a sudden they had a hologram of Norvell walking the sidelines? Mike writes: If we look back at Adam Fuller's game plan versus Georgia Tech. Wasn't it sound? Sims threw three picks to defenders facing forward. They didn't have to turn and locate the ball to make a play. The defensive line just didn't show up. Right. Well, there's a couple things here, Mike. I thought they were sound, and I tweeted as much, and people got angry about that. I don't think they were aggressive enough. I don't think the linebacker play was good, and their defensive ends can't play. they got to find a different way to get pressure. And by the way, I again, I know it's important. Well, I'm, I'm not, not going to dog a kid who's been hurt, but, man, they, they really don't have a dynamic edge rusher. Let's just put it that way. Walter writes, go. good day, gents. Good day, gents and pea shooter. I'm looking forward to the big cane beatdown in Dade County Saturday night. There's got to be something that puts the good old planet back on its axis. Is 30 to 10 too much to ask? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you talking uh, about Florida State winning 30 to 10? Yeah, yeah that, that is too much to ask. Uh, Ira, he wants you to know – he wants to know if that's uh, – if you're willing to jump on his bandwagon. Oh, like my heat bandwagon. Yeah. How about yeah. how about my we haven't talked about my heat, guys. Yeah, we your should, heat. Yeah. We should spend you're the next uh crushing it, man. Congratulations. Thanks, buddy. I think uh we'll we'll see you guys in the NBA finals. You guys can you guys can come over and uh well you can't come over. Right. But uh, I'll let you jump on the bandwagon too if you want. I'll zoom with you for the finals. Okay. Hey Corey, good. Corey, your Braves got a big win last night. That was important. It was important. I know. They're crushing it. The Falcons look good on Sunday, too. Everything's everything's turning up roses here in Atlanta. Ira, you saw the stat, didn't you, that I texted Corey? I don't think so. Teams dating back to, what was it? What was the year, Corey, 1933? I mean, since the NFL, since, yeah. Basically, it started. Teams were 440-0, and 0, Ira. 440-0 and 0 when scoring 39 points without committing a turnover prior to Sunday. Wow. I mean, you guys are... Breaking new Making ground. History. Making history, yeah. man. That's what we do. That's what Dan Quinn does. Defensive guru, that guy. 
John writes, what's up, fellas? I'm calling a Cat 1 maintain. I'm starting early and going all day. With all the craziness of 2020 and this team so far, why can't we win this game? If we don't just be competitive, show some progress, show some heart. Cheers to a great day of football and a Knowles victory. Thanks, John. That's nice. It's not a cat. Well, I wouldn't even call it a cat one, though. I think it's more like a, a tropical storm or one of those unnamed storms. It, ha- it might develop into something. Hey, By John, halftime, it might develop into something. John, I will uh, I will salute you, buddy. And I, I'm not doing post games. I'm doing pre games. So I can start getting after it the second that pregame is over. I will join you and salute you, John, for the drink. Just know I'm here in Tallahassee having a cold one for you. Ryan writes, fellas, with FSU's current financial situation, what's the likelihood Norvell gets the full duration of his contract, even if it takes three to four years to be competitive? Oh, very likely, Ryan. Very, very, very likely is the answer <laughs> yeah. there. Yes. In fact, he, he's going to get every last year on that contract. Um, Butch writes, gents. Good day, boys. Do you guys foresee any possible contact <clears throat> issues? Uh, that would, you all right over there? What you, just you know, happened? We're still on. We're still oh, on. sorry. I uh, thought I hit the mute button. Thought I hit the mute button. That was incredible. <laughs> Do you guys foresee any possible contract tracing, contact tracing issues that would hurt either this team or cancel the game this weekend? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what everybody wants. I don't – there would be – yeah, I think Florida State fans would be not be unhappy if uh, the uh, the call came down on Wednesday and Thursday. They had to postpone the game. Ah, we're done, guys. We're done. I can't answer any more questions. They're all pretty much the same. Most of our fan base wants this team to have an overwhelming breakout outbreak. of – Outbreak. Outbreak. <laughs> uh, I mean, they I guess, just keep going on. I guess the answer is my question from the first segment or first uh, half when I uh, – Asked if the fans would prefer a little bit more excitement. But are they taking bit- their? Are they taking the lead from like you know what I mean? Are they taking yeah. their attitude from us? Or are we taking our attitude from them? Well, they sent like, in the questions before we did the first hour, so that's where they are. I think we're yeah, reflecting right. where they are, and uh, you know, look, we're going to go into this game together. I'm going to be down there. You you're guys are not. There. I am. That's, Let's I, go. Normally, I'd say congratulations, have fun. I know those are your old stomping grounds, but you really can't get out and do anything these days. So this is a tough trip. You know, there's some patio restaurants and things like that. We'll uh, we'll we'll do it up as uh, as big as we can. Do me a favor and get you a good cold margarita from Los Tacos, baby. Make it happen. Not a big margarita guy, I'll be honest with you. Well, but, uh, you know, what are the odds of that, Jeff? Why are you even saying those words? <laughs> you think he's going to be like, you know what? It's Friday night. I'm here by myself. Well, I am, I'm gonna have got to roll that. Go get that margarita. Yeah, can you swing by and get some Los Tacos? Get the shrimp. It's really good. We'll see. We'll see what we can do. Um, I've got. That's I've got, a big fat no. That's a well. Yeah. Here's the thing, Jeff. I mean, I've kind of got my. I get down there like once or twice a year, and I've got the places I kind of need to get to, and I'm gonna get to those places. If I could squeeze in a Los Tacos, I'll the see what track. I can do. Yeah. You need to get to the track. Good Are point. they open or yeah. tracks open? Oh, dude! I'm sure they're they're just giving away COVID at the racetrack. Yeah. People there. Sneezing well, on the horses. South Florida's giving away COVID. That's for sure. Well, you're right. Yeah, be careful down there, Ira. For real. Thanks, All right. buddy. Bring us back a victory for Irish. I'm at- Corey Clark. I'm Jeff Cameron. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Be well. Take care. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, every Tuesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Get more from Jeff, Corey, and Ira via iTunes and in the 97.9 ESPN Radio Audio Vault. This has been a production of 97.9 ESPN Radio, Tallahassee Sports Monster.